Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. This is Shannon, and tonight I am here with Georgina, Natalia, Stacy, Brooke, and Robin. And we are looking at January 2024 releases. It's a really, really weird thing for me to say, but here we are. Let's get started with the usual housekeeping information. Then we will dive right into the meat of the episode. Natalia will start us off, followed by Brooke, then me, Stacy, Georgina, and Robin will end it for us. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Book Bistro Podcast. There we have our usual Facebook page where we keep track of our Wednesday reads and also post information about the Friday episodes. We also have a Facebook listener group that you're welcome to join. And if you prefer a different type of listener group, you can contact us and ask about our WhatsApp group. Both groups are pretty small, not super high traffic, and we would love to have you. If you want to get in touch with us off of social media, you can do so by sending an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for our main hosting page where you can find information on the podcatchers that make Book Bistro available to you, you can find that information in our show notes. The first book I'm going to talk about is a book that I'm looking forward to because it's a new author for me. And I hope that I pronounce this the way I should. And if I don't, please forgive me. It's called Aya, Aya Connors' Bollywood Moment by Arashi Avichet. Is that how you say that? I don't know how to say that name, unfortunately. I feel like I really butchered it. Okay, guys, English is my second language, so please forgive me. <laughs> but either way, it's a debut rom-com. So when it comes out, I will make sure that we um, correct the pronunciation, if that's a thing. I'm really excited about it because I love debut books, especially rom-coms and new authors. And this is a young adult about a high school senior whose life suddenly gets a Bollywood spin when her sister gets engaged. Shoddy preparations are in full swing, which means lehenga shopping, taste testing, dance rehearsals, and the best thing of all, Arya's sister Alina is home. The Candace family are together again, finally, So, and Arya wants to enjoy this very rare event. So she stifles her lingering resentment towards her sister Alina. She plays mediator between her sister's fights with their mother and welcomes her future brother-in-law with open arms. Okay, well, maybe enjoys isn't exactly right. Meanwhile, at school, Arya's, Arya's senior year dreams are unraveling because she's working as a part-time bookshop assistant, which that is so cool. And of course, she has to go to class and she's struggling to navigate 
the aftermath of a bad breakup between her two best friends and a tense student partner student council partnership with her rival the frustratingly attractive dean merriweather so if you guys remember being in high school like breaking up with best friends not talking to each other and being in the middle that was a really really big deal so i'm looking forward to seeing how this will happen and student council rivals that's serious business but aria is determined <laughs> to keep the peace not only at home but also in school and the shardy season is really showing aria new realities first her sister alina is not necessarily going to be in the bedroom down the hall for much longer since she's getting married. Mama's sadness is irreparable, it seems. Friendships must evolve. And, well, life doesn't always work out like her beloved Bollywood movies. But sometimes the person you least expect will give you a glimpse of your dreams sequence just when you need it most. Uh-huh. Yes. Structured like a Bollywood film, entertaining intermission included. Arya <laughs> Connor's Bollywood moment will make you swoon, laugh, cry, nod your head in agreement, and quite possibly make you get up and dance too. Aww. And this sounds like something oh. I would love to read, and I hope you do too. This is Arya Connor Connor's Bollywood moment by Arashi. Abashat. I hope I'm saying it right. And this book, oh my god, it feels like so long until we get to see it. This book will be released on January 9th, 2024, which, oh. considering all the other books, it's not that long away, but it feels like forever. No, I'm all so of excited. mine on the 30th, so, you know. So my first book this evening is The Heiress by Rachel Hawkins, and it comes out on January 9th. So it's going to be a really long name, so I have to read it out. I'm sorry. I have to throw out. So when Ruby McTavish, Callahan Woodward, Miller Penmore died. She was the Whoa. richest woman in North Carolina. She was also notorious because she was kidnapped as a child and she was widowed four times over. And on top of this all, she lived in this in the Ashby mansion. Um, on the Ashby estate, sorry, which was like in the mountains. And she really, she controlled the little um, community where she lived, which was called Tavistock. Well, she dies. And when this happens, she leaves behind nine figures to her adopted son, Camden. But Camden really wants nothing to do um, with the surviving McTavishes or with the money or the estate. So he decides to kind of refuse it all and heads off to Colorado where he's going to become a school teacher. So now we fast forward 10 years and Cam has been um, 
asked to return to uh, the Ashby estate because his uncle has died. And while he was like, while over the last 10 years, I forgot to mention, he got married to a woman named Jules. And Jules has kind of a messy family life that she's trying to get away from. So when her and Cam return to Ashby Estate, she's pretty, like, wowed by the place. It's still, like, just as elegant as Cam remembers. Um, the views are gorgeous. Like, I totally want to go see this estate. It sounds It sounds amazing. So they're back at the estate. And the more that Jules learns about Camden's family... She realizes that she wants him to kind of get more involved and she wants him to get his like his inheritance. She believes that he should take on what he's what he's been given because obviously Ruby wanted him to have it. But as we all know, there are no real great um, inheritance stories. Like I, at least I don't know any. Um, even people who don't have a lot of money still have family that are fighting. So as the secrets come out on the family, Ruby's legacy starts getting questioned. Um, there's questions about the kidnapping, like what are the truths behind it? Um, what happened to her four husbands that died of suspicious circumstances? And why did she adopt Camden? So if you want to know, like I do, what what this is all about and what's going to happen, you'll have to read The Heiress by Rachel Hawkins, and it comes out on January 9th. This looks so good. It does. I think that's the longest name I've ever seen. I love Rachel Hawkins. I've never read anything by her that has disappointed at all, so I'm looking forward to this. All right, so my first book is Wander in the Dark by Jumata Amil. And this, like everything else I'm talking about tonight, doesn't come out until January 30th. Oh, all of these lovely books are so far away. So this is a young adult thriller. Um, he wrote The Black Queen last year, which I really, really loved. Well, actually, the beginning of this year. Um, it came out in January 2023. So this one is set in New Orleans. And it is about two half-brothers with a very messy family dynamic and a murder that stands sort of between them, but could actually be the repair they need for their very complicated relationship. So we have Amir and Marcel, and they have the same father, but different mothers. And they just can't get along. Like there's just so much tension between the two families. And even though they, they care about each other, there's just so much baggage that their relationship is strained. Now, Amir is very interested in this young woman named Chloe. And so when he is asked to walk her home during Mardi Gras, 
after a birthday party. He thinks, you know, this is fine. He'll he'll do this. Well, then she he ends up staying at her house for reasons that I don't know because, well, I haven't read this. Um, and when he wakes up, Chloe is dead. He was sleeping oh. on the couch downstairs, and, and she is dead in her upstairs bedroom. And so, of course, like he's a black teenager in the home of this wealthy white girl. And so, of course, people are like, yeah, you know, he did it. Doesn't matter what he says. Doesn't matter what anyone else says. Like, he did it. And that's how it goes. But Marcel knows that his brother is not a murderer. And even though they aren't as close as as he would like them to be, he feels like he has to step in and see if he can figure out who the actual murderer is. And so together, Amir and Marcel are trying to solve Chloe's murder so that Amir doesn't go down for it. I am super excited about this. I loved The Black Queen. Um, it was just so, so twisty and had like some social justice themes that were kind of woven into the story. Um, but that did not like, take away from the whole like thrillery vibe. So I will definitely be picking this up. It is Wander in the Dark by Jumada and Mill. And it comes out on January 30th. Sigh. This sounds really good. Yes. If you haven't read The Black Queen, um, totally should. My first book of the evening is by an author who I haven't read before, but I've heard very good things about. I am talking about Recipe for a Charmed Life by Rachel Linden. And this book is about American chef Georgia Mae Jackson. And honestly, I want to read the book just because I like her name. Um, but anyway, I digress. So Georgia Mae Jackson is having a craptastic day. She is a sous chef in Paris at a fine Parisian establishment. And in one night, she loses her job as sous chef. She... And her French boyfriend break up. And what might be worst of all, she can no longer taste anything. She loses her sense of taste. All of her food tastes bitter. And this is not the greatest thing for Georgia Mae Jackson because Georgia is totally known for her refined palate and her ability to use really bold, interesting flavors to craft some really delicious dishes. And without her ability to taste her own creations, that's sort of fallen flat. So Georgia Mae Jackson is floundering when she gets an invitation from her estranged mother to come and stay with her on, a, on an island close to Seattle. And her estranged mother kind of wants to reconnect with Georgia and to, you know, maybe try to make up for some mistakes that she's had in the past. And so Georgia thinks like, okay, I, I'll go to this island, see what she has to say. And maybe while I'm there, I can figure out what the heck is going on with my, my food and my cooking. Because she has a dream of opening a restaurant in Paris. And the longer she's away from Paris and all these things are going wrong, the more distant this dream feels. So Georgia goes to this island where her mother is, her estranged hippie mother, 
And she starts learning a bit about her family and that there's some pretty significant family secrets that she didn't know before. And the island is a little weird. She just finds these random good luck charms in like various places. And then there's also her neighbor who is kind of antagonistic. He's an antagonistic oyster farmer who's super hot. So all of this is going on. And as George is learning more about her family and learning more about the island, she has to make some decisions about the restaurant in Paris. And that, my friends, is all I know. What I know about this book is it's a foodie romance with magical realism. And I say, sign me up. This book is Recipe for a Charmed Life by Rachel Linden, and it comes out on January 9th. Books about I, food and restaurants. I know. I know. I think I think all of us tonight like books about food and restaurants and uh, magic. Yeah, and losing yes. and losing your losing your sense of taste. Like I, that would be horrifying. That would be I horrible. know. My first book is Missing Witness by Alison Brennan, which comes out January 23rd. And this is book five of the Quinn and Costa series. When a witness goes missing, Quinn and Costa have to, they're on the clock trying to find her before a killer does. Quinn is really, really struggling from her last case but she's back in LA. She is not sure on who to trust because this conspiracy goes through the darkest depths of the FBI and other government agencies. Quinn and Costa, as they're investigating, have another witness go missing. But there is a whistleblower but before they can get to him or her, they go missing too. Oh, They're both on the clock trying to figure out what they could do before either one of them end up dead. This is Missing Witness by Alison Brennan, which comes out January 23rd. I am so behind with on Alison these, Brennan. Yes, I am too. To start off with, we have Most Ardently, and this is a Pride and Prejudice remix by Gabe Cole Novoa, and this comes out on January 16th. So I have to tell you that I am not at all interested in Pride and Prejudice. I have read Jane Austen before. I have enjoyed Jane Austen, but I haven't read Pride and Prejudice, and I don't really feel a push to do so um but regardless of this being a remix of the pride and prejudice concept i fell in love with this synopsis so we are in london 1812 i mean we're not actually in london in 1812 but you can pretend for a moment. A boy looks for a future and a romance in which he can live and love openly as himself. Oliver Bennett feels trapped. He feels trapped 
by the endless corsets, petticoats, and skirts he's forced to wear. And he feels trapped because of society's expectations. The world and most of his family and friends think Oliver is a girl named Elizabeth. Elizabeth is expected to wear pretty dresses and mingle at balls, entertain suitors regardless of his interest in them, and ultimately become someone's wife. Oliver can't even bear the thought of this outcome. He does find some solace in sneaking out of the house and exploring London, dressed as the young gentleman he is. During one of these excursions, Oliver meets Darcy, a sulky young man who had been rude to Elizabeth at a recent social function. In the comfort of being out of the public eye, Oliver discovers that Darcy is actually a sweet, intelligent boy with a warm heart. Not to mention that Oliver finds him very attractive. Meanwhile, in life as Elizabeth, suitors are growing bolder and even threatening. And Oliver's mother is growing more desperate and hurried to see Elizabeth settled in an engagement. So the question is, what will Oliver choose? Will Oliver choose to settle for safety, security, a life pretending to be someone and something he's not? Or will Oliver risk a chance, risk a slim chance at freedom, love, and a life that can be truly his own? So that is Most Ardently, a Pride and Prejudice remix by Gabe Cole Novoa, and it comes out on January 16th. Is this part of the whole like remix classics thing that we have going on that like uh, Tasha Suri was a part of? Mm-hmm. And um, who else? Oh, a lot of people. Many uh, other people. Yeah. Kaylin Bayron, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, the next book I'm going to talk about is called One of the Good Guys by Araminta Hall. And I know the title Yay. sounds like a certain kind of book, but it's nothing like it sounds like. So let me ask you ladies a question. If so many guys, if most men claim to be good, why are most women still afraid to walk home alone at night? That's the leading well, question in our book. I don't know. Well, that's the leading question in our book. And our story is about Cole, who is desperate to escape the ghost of his past and his failed marriage. So he upends his life, leaving London behind for a remote stretch of coast, where he will have a break from the noise, the drama, and relentless careerism that curdled his relationship and his mental health. Similarly, Leonora has made the same move for similar reasons. She's living a very short walk from Cole's seaside cottage. Doesn't sound awesome, seaside cottage. I want, I want to go there now. And she's preparing for her latest art exhibition, Le- Leonora. And although Cole still, after his break, cannot figure out what went wrong with his marriage, and Leonora is having trouble acclimating to 
to the hostile landscape, the pair of them are kind of connected and they they surprisingly get along. But then, two young female activists who are raising awareness about gendered bias or biased violence disappear while passing through the town. And Cole and Leonora finally, uh, sorry, suddenly find themselves entrenched in the middle of a police investigation and the resulting media firestorm when the world realizes what happens to these two activists. And the tension escalates alongside the search for the missing women. When, and while this is happening, well, they realize that they don't know each other that well after all. Whoa. So this is One of the Good Guys by Araminta Hall. And yes, it is a thriller, it sounds like. And oh, I love thrillers like this. I, I really do. I'm very excited about this. And this would be my first book read by this author, so that's even more fun. This book comes out also on January 9th, 2024. Yay! I read Our Kind of Cruelty by Araminta Hall several years ago. And it remains like one of the creepiest, most disturbing thrillers um, <laughs> I've ever read. So my next book this evening is If You're Lucky by Stacey Willingham. And it comes out on January 16th. Lucy Sharp, she's um, magnetic. She's popular. She's also dangerous, um, especially to Margot. Because Margot kind of sees Lucy as somebody like she would someday, someday like to be. So Lucy and Margot, they become friends um, in their freshman year at a liberal arts college. And Margot is very much like the girl that nobody, that, that always wants to be like, it's kind of like the good guy. Always... The sidekick, never like the center of attention. And so she's kind of like the one that just kind of goes along with the flow. And so she has become friends with Lucy and she's having, she's getting to know her well. And then one day Lucy asks her if she would like to move in with her and a couple other girls, um, Sloan and Nicole, and live in an off-campus house. Um, for their soft for their sophomore year, so she decides, hey, why not? She's really eager to do this because she feels like it's gonna hopefully get her out of her shell. So she does, and these three girls are kind of like they like each kind of play a role in the household. Lucy is like the ringleader. Um, Sloane is kind of like the She's always the one that's kind of trying to cause problems. And then Nicole's always like the good guy. So as Margot gets to know the girls, she realizes there's like there's things about each of them that has intertwined their lives. Um, so she's enjoying living with them and she's coming out of her shell. Um, the shell that she has gone into when her her best friend Eliza Elijah sorry died three months after she finished high school, and so she's really starting to figure out herself, find her place at this college, and she's everything's going well. But then halfway through their sophomore year, um, a 
one of the guys from the um, fraternity next door gets murdered and Lucy go like vanishes without a trace. And that, my friends, is all I know. I'm pretty excited to see like what this is all about. I don't know. I don't know. Did Lucy do something? Did somebody do something to Lucy? I really don't know. So this is called If You're Lucky. And it's by Stacey Willingham. And it comes out on January 16th. Clearly, some people in this book are not very lucky. So my next book is also a book about the college experience, but it takes it in kind of a different direction. This is Come and Get It by Kylie Reed, and it comes out on January 30th. It is no secret here that I fell in love with this author's debut at the end of 2019, and that was such a fun age. And I have been waiting to see if she was going to write something else and finally finally we have come and get it i have to be up front and say the synopsis for this is pretty vague um but that did not matter because like i said i've been waiting for a follow-up to such a fun age for such a long time so this is about millie and millie is a resident assistant at the university of arkansas she's a senior and She's just ready to graduate, get a job, buy a house, and kind of start her real life, her like post-college life. So when a visiting professor approaches her with what seems like a too-good-to-be-true sort of offer, she's not sure if she should take it. Now, I don't know what this offer is, um, but I'm guessing probably it, it's one that shouldn't be taken. But because this is a book, she does take it, and suddenly her life that has been sort of going along, you know, as she's planned it, is upended. And now there are these, like, three students that she finds herself kind of on a crash course with. There are all these dorm sort of pranks, or are they more than pranks? Um, there's something going on with this professor. And suddenly Millie just doesn't really know where she's going to end up. Like everything is topsy-turvy and she has no idea how to get herself out of it and sort of back on track. This is kind of, I don't know, like women's fiction, maybe a little bit literary. Um, it's hard to kind of classify this I think in terms of, of genre especially since I haven't read it yet but her debut was just so incredible and I'm very very excited to see what she has in store for us with this book so this is Come and Get It and once again it's by Kylie Reed and it comes out on January 30th and excuse the meowing um, of the patch tabby in the background. It's either very excited about this book or very excited about its upcoming dinner. I think upcoming dinner seems more likely, <laughs> but also probably the book too. She's a well-read kind of cat, you know. Indeed, indeed. My second book of the evening is by an author that I discovered 
uh, last year that I really enjoy. And I'm talking about the third book in the Bells of London series. And forgive me if I pronounce this place in the title wrong, but it's called The Lily of Ludgate Hill. And it's by Mimi Matthews. It comes out on January 16th. Now, this is the third book in the Bells of London series. This series follows a group of friends who are also equestrians. And I um, I fell in love with this with this series when I read The Siren of Sussex, which is the first book. I thought it was one of the best romances I ever read. Um, the sexiest romance I ever read where they really never laid a finger on each other throughout the whole thing. Um, he is a, the, the first guy was a, a tailor and it was just really, really, really well done. But now we're talking about the third in the group of friends and her name is Lady Anne Deverell. Anne does not spook easily. Um, and people wonder why years ago she sort of faded into obscurity and it sort of happened around the time her mother fell deeply into mourning. And if I'm remembering this series accurately, this is the woman that always goes to the various seances. This book takes place in the 1860s when seances were a huge deal. And I'm pretty sure that's that's this woman. And I'm sorry if it's not. So Anne's been wearing mourning clothes as well, and she sort of faded away. But now circumstances have contrived to throw her back into the path of her first love, Felix Harcourt. And Hart has decided, and he's, he tells people that, you know, his feelings for, for Anne have cooled. But, you know, that may not be all that truthful. And now Anne needs a favor to help a friend. And Hart has decided that he'll go along with, as the synopsis says, her little ruse, if she will, in exchange, go to a house party at his grandfather's estate. Anne decides she's okay with this, and she kind of gallops into this whole new experience for her. No more morning clothes and, and being out with Hart. And the longer she's around Hart, the more her feelings are confusing her. She's kind of very interested into her, uh, interested in this roguish, not quite white knight who has hidden depths. And as they spend more time together, it appears as though the feelings they had for each other years ago may not be as dead as they both assumed. That's all I know about this book. But as I said um, at the beginning of my synopsis, I really, really liked both um, The Siren of Sussex and The Bell of Belgrave Square, which is the second in the series. And this is The Lily of Ludgate Hill. And it comes out, oh, I'm sorry, by Mimi Matthews, Bells of London, book three. And it comes out on January 16th. And I cannot wait. Um, and the other thing that I will say about this book is that it has a descriptor that makes me kind of want to yank my hair out. It's classified as a clean romance. Um, <laughs> but, you know, don't let that deter you. Um, if you're offended by that, as I am, I don't like that descriptor. Um, Mimi Matthews is an incredible storyteller. And um, her characters always have depth and breadth 
and they're interesting and they're, um, you know, she does a ton of research about anything she's writing about and she's just a very engaging author. There's just no on-page sexy times. My second book of the evening is The Friendship Club by Robin Carr, which comes out January 23rd. Marnie is a cooking show person and she's quite famous. She's in her middle 50s and she has a pregnant daughter named Bella. Bella has decided that her mom needs to meet a love interest. So she convinces her mom to go on several dates that turn out to be quite disastrous, which makes Marnie wonder if love is really worth it. Her and her best friend decide, no, it isn't. But meanwhile, on the show, one of Marnie's young co-workers is in a toxic relationship. And all for, well, that's when Bella reveals that she, her marriage is showing the strain of her newly, her pregnancy. And so all four women realize that they can rely on each other, but they're not sure about love. This is The Friendship Club by Robin Carr, which comes out January 23rd. I'm going to talk about The Gin Waits 100 Years by Shubnam Khan. And this comes out on January 9th. I am really intrigued by this book, even though it is not the kind of book that I would normally read. I would not typically read a book about a haunted house. Um, this is written by a South African writer. This is not her first book, but I have never heard of her before, so she's new to me. This book is about a ruined mansion by the sea, the gin that haunts it, and the curious girl who discovers the tragedy that happened there a hundred years before. The name of our mysterious magical house is Akbar Manzil. It was once a grand estate off the coast of South Africa. But nearly a hundred years after it was built, it stands in ruins and acts as a boarding house for misfits. Misfits who are seeking to forget their pasts and desiring to disappear into mansions, the mansion's dark corners. This state of affairs lasts until Sana and her father move in. They are seeking refuge after a painful loss, but unlike the other tenants, Sana is curious about this house that she's moved into. All of the mysteries, including the figure wandering around at night 
and the pile of bones in the overgrown garden and the wing of the house that nobody ever goes into and is full of broken and forgotten things and a locked door. So she starts to dig into the history of the mansion and to wander around and investigate. She breaks in or undoes the lock. I'm not sure how she gets into this room. But she finds that it is a bedroom that has been locked in time. So nothing has been changed since the woman died there over 100 years ago or almost 100 years ago. In this room, she finds faded photographs, a diary hinting at a dark past, and there is a djinn hiding in the room. A spirit who loved the woman who died and who has haunted this house ever since. And now the djinn is watching Sana unearth these secrets. Once secrets start to unfold, it sets off momentum that will affect everyone living in the mansion. This book is the story of a haunting, the story of love, and a mystery, all rolled into the story of one young girl's search for belonging. This is The Jinn Waits a Hundred Years by Shubnam Khan. And it comes out on January 9th. I am fascinated by gin, but not so much by hauntings. Well, speaking of high school, a time where we never want to go back to ever. Um, and this book <laughs> kind of hits close to home. Um, this is Just Say Yes by Goldie Moldovsky. And this book is about Jimena Ramos. And imagine you guys had to go back to high school. I know nobody wants to do that here. But um, well, I, I, I would think about it maybe for like two seconds. But imagine you are just turned 17 and you find out that your entire life is a lie. And in fact, all the college applications you're filling out, I'm sure we all remember all of the letters you're writing, all of the extracurriculars you're doing to look good in college are unnecessary because you're not going to college because you are an undocumented immigrant. And, uh, well, it's pretty likely you're going to get deported to a country that you've never heard of, that you've never been to, because uh, your parents kept from you that you were an undocumented immigrant, so you thought that you were American this entire time, and you have lived every uh, the whole life that you remember in New York City. It's the only home you've ever known. And the only way you can think of to stay in New York City is by marrying an American, a real American, which you just figured out you're not. And this is what happens to Jimena after one choice, one night, leads her to have to figure this out. So Jimena decides that she's going to find an American to marry her, no matter what it costs. And she has an excellent candidate, Vitaly, who is her next-door neighbor and friend, and he's the only person she trusts with her secret. But Vitaly has his own plans for the future, so he's a definite no. 
Well, what other choices there in the year 2023? Well, online dating. And Jimena decides to approach this marriage like a business transaction. And she figures out a plan that might just suit her and make her a citizen of her country at last. But of course, she can't stop thinking of Italy. So what will she do? If we want to find out what happens to Jimena and her undocumented state, we have to read Just Say Yes by Goldie Moldovsky. And it comes out January 30th. I want to cry. <laughs> this looks so, so good. I've read a couple of her other books. Um and they feel more thrillery than this one does. So I'm interested to sort of see how she does with something, you know, that's not um, that's not a thriller. So my last book this evening is A Game of Hearts and Heists, Girl Games, book one, by Ruby Rowe. So we have two enemies, one goal, to win each other's heart. So our first character we're going to talk about is Scarlet Grey. And Scarlet Grey is a disgraced assassin. <laughs> she is determined to get revenge. Then we have Quinn who I cannot remember her last name at the moment. So we're going to call her Quinn. So then we have Quinn, and she is a medic turned poisoner for hire. And these two ladies have, um, they kind of work against each other. They have, over the years, they've stolen each other's jobs. They've... Um, They've, like, caused each other problems within their business. And at times, they've slept together. Well, one day, um, the magician queen comes to them and asks them to do a heist. Um, she would like to hire them. And these two women, they're not really sure what they want to do. Um, but they know that they need to do it for different reasons. It's not going to be an easy thing to work together. Um, and it's not going to be an easy job. So they need to decide if this is worth it. And a lot of the problem is that they've got secrets. Each of them has their own secrets. And if these secrets were to come to light, it would mean betraying the people they love. But also they have a connection so they need to figure out like what are they going to do so if you want to know as much as i want to know what's going to yes. happen you are going to have to check out a game of hearts and heists girl games book one by ruby Rowe, and it comes out on january 2nd which i'm so excited because it's not very long no and it looks so good. So good. So one of the best parts about leading this particular podcast is that sometimes I get to pick like all the books that are, are talked about. 
And I did almost pick all of them for this episode, except for the three that Robin talked about. But one that I did not pick was one that I didn't know was coming out until just before we recorded this. And so it caused me to make a last minute change to my three books. I had said that all of my books come out on the 30th, and that is no longer true because I am talking about Feybound. Feybound, book one, by Sarah L. Arafi. And this is now coming out on January 23rd. I am so excited. She wrote The Final Strife a couple of years ago, which was the first book in her Ending Fire series. And I absolutely loved it. I read The Battle Drum, which was the follow-up, which I also adored. And now she has a new series that she's starting before Ending Fire is finished. So this tells me that we have just a ton of goodness to look forward to from her. So this is a story about the elves and the fae and how they have been divided for a millennium. In fact, the fae haven't been seen in a thousand years. And many of the elves have started to think that maybe the fae just never really existed. Like maybe they were a big myth. But Yiren, who is an elven warrior, has made a terrible mistake. And now she and her sister have been exiled from the land of the elves. And they are now roaming the wilderness beyond its borders. And while they're out there, they encounter the Fey court. So now these two women are forced to reckon with a ton of secrets, not only about themselves, but also pretty much about the world that they've grown up knowing. Because if the Fey really do exist, then what does that mean for everything that these women have been taught? I don't know what it means, but I am super excited to find out. This is Feybound. Feybound, book one, by Sarah L. Arafi, and it is coming out on January 23rd. I have pre-ordered it. I wish it were coming today. Oh, that sounds marvelous. Yes. My final book of the evening is by an author who I've never read before. I don't even know if this is her debut or not. I don't know. But the synopsis looked really good to me, and Shannon chose it, and she's very good at matching books with their appropriate reader. I try. This You do try, and you do a great job. This is The Magic All Around by Jennifer Mormon. This book is about the Russell family, and... The Russell family seems to have certain gifts. For example, the oldest sister, Penelope, is able to infuse strength or joy or love or whatever the wearer requires into the dresses that she makes as a seamstress. And her younger sister, Lilith, is always able to get what she needs when she needs it. She's a free spirit. She travels all over the place with her daughter, Maddie. And if Lilith needs an apartment, bam, someone has one to rent. If she needs a part-time job, here you go. If she needs a different car, there it is. 
that's kind of an amazing gift. I kind of wish I had that one. And then there's Maddie, who's Lilith's daughter. And Maddie always is able to play the appropriate song for someone, whether it comes on from a radio that is in a different room that's been turned off or from a phone in somebody's pocket. It's always the right song at the right time. That kind of be cool too. You'd almost feel like you're in a musical if you did that, right? Like just songs starting to play right when you need them. Sign me up for that. But now, you know, there's something else that all of this family, the Russell family, what they share, and that's their old Victorian house in Ivy Ridge. And Maddie finds herself kind of staying back at the family home after her mother Lilith's unexpected death. And she thinks she'll stay for a little while before moving on. She's not really sure like what her next, like what her direction is. But then much to the shock of the family, Lilith's will includes a testamentary trust where she gives Maddie and, and this, she has to complete these tasks from this trust in order to um, receive anything from her mother's will. And these tasks that she's supposed to do are kind of ridiculous. And at first, Maddie's like, why is she trying to keep me here in Ivy Ridge? But as she's kind of going along and following these different tasks that her mother, Lilith, has laid out for her, she realizes that her mother actually had quite a wonderful plan in mind. These tasks help her to reconnect with her birth father they remind her to keep her heart open to the possibility of love. And by completing these tasks or, or by learning these things, she also finds that maybe staying put in Ivy Ridge instead of moving around might be the best thing for her to do. And she might begin to sow seeds into some sort of garden of life that I don't have the actual words that's the paraphrase of the last line of the synopsis. This is a novel that's all about different bonds among um, sisters and mothers and daughters. And of course, um, my theme tonight must be magical realism because I have two of them. Um, but in any case, I'm looking forward to reading about Maddie and the Harris family and the gifts that they have and the strange old Victorian home, and, and what, what secrets Maddie is going to uncover. And this, again, is The Magic All Around. It's by Jennifer Mormon, and it comes out on January 16th. This is Love at First Flight by Joe Watson. This comes out January 18th. Now, this looks good, and I'm looking forward to reading this when this comes out. Pippa hates certain things, class reunions, tight clothes, and people asking her, why isn't she in a relationship? When she finally meets the person that she's been talking to for the last four months on air traffic control, she has a brilliant idea. They should fake date each other, not only to get Andrew's parents off his back, but to show people at her class reunion that she finally has someone. Things are going well until they're not, because Pippa realizes that this real attraction between them is more than 
she can handle. This is Love at First Flight by Joe Wat Watson, which comes out January 18th. I always love these fake um, relationships because they always end up blowing up in the person's <laughs> always end up burning, <laughs> going way worse than what they thought. You know? It never works the way they want it to, does no, it? Exactly. All right. I guess I should talk about my final book. You Only Call When You're in Trouble by Stephen McCauley. This comes out on January 9th. I have never heard of Stephen McCauley before, but he is quite prolific from what I can tell on Goodreads. He's written a lot of books, and now there's this one. So, we have Tom. After a lifetime of taking care of his impossible but irresistible sister and his cherished niece, Tom is ready to start putting himself first. Let's see how that goes for him. Tom is an architect and he specials, specializes in tiny houses. And he has the opportunity to build his masterpiece. I don't know why or how or where, but that's what we're told. He gets to build his masterpiece. But, of course, this does depend on him keeping the demands of his needy family at bay. Let's see how that works. Oh, not well. His sister calls him, but first his niece calls him. And his niece, Cecily, is running into a problem at the college where she works. There's a Title IX investigation, and it's threatening her career, and somehow it's threatening her relationship. Oh, and Tom's sister calls, and she wants Tom's help in telling Cicely the true identity of Cicely's father. I guess they've been telling her lies all these decades. Now, Tom loves Cecily. His last boyfriend told him that Cecily was the love of his life as the boyfriend was moving out of Tom's house. So this has been a, a real struggle for Tom, his life versus his family. And he does, yet again, what he always does. He steps in to help. And this starts a journey that will change everybody's life and will demonstrate the beauty and dysfunction, sometimes both together, of family relationships. This sounds kind of fun and maybe a little bit unique in that we're looking at a gay or queer man's relationship with his family not necessarily his relationship with lovers or husbands or boyfriends. Um, so this is You Only Call When You're in Trouble by Stephen McCauley, and it comes out on January 9th. I'm so glad you decided to talk about this because I looked at it briefly when I was making um, the big list of January books, but I didn't pay a lot of attention. And I would have been sad, um, you know, to have not 
known what kind of book uh, this was because this looks really, really good. All right, so that brings us to the end of our most anticipated releases of January episode. Thank you so much to Brooke, Natalia, Georgina, Robin, and Stacy for joining me for this episode. As always, thanks goes out to Christine for all of her editing. And of course, we thank each and every one of you so much for joining us as we talk about great books. And the next time you hear from us, it will be officially 2024. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.